Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, I would argue it is the most important episode of the draft season. Uh, I would argue it is the most important episode of the season until maybe next year. But like, I, I would agree with that sentiment. Uh, it is, of course, the episode where we interview each other and we are able to talk about the Jags and the Dolphins in the yeah. best way possible. Hear our own voices. That's why it's important. <laughs> as if we yeah. don't as if we don't, we don't hear our own voices. We started already. a podcast to hear our own voices and we're doing it even more. Oh, we love arrogance. Um <laughs> no, seriously, this is going to serve as our Jags and Dolphins draft series episode. Um we decided to combine it into one and put it out as our weekly episode. So we will be talking all about the Jags with a very, very clean slate. We'll be talking about the Dolphins building upon what they did last season, looking forward to the future. But of course, Tyler, we will begin with a fairly large quick hits in terms of magnitude of stories. Um, We are going to try to keep this relatively short. (laughs) Try. We'll try our best. We will do our best. Um, We begin with the heavy news of the Les Miles allegations at LSU. Um, how, do, how does one put this? Uh, Les Miles was accused, uh, accused, accused, my apologies, of inappropriate conduct with female student employees. Now, to begin with, a woman should not feel like she has to tiptoe around her place of employment to begin, 100%. number one. Number two, uh, it's not like Les Miles wasn't married with kids and deep into his fifties. So there's that age aspect that also has a bit of a creeper aspect to it. And this comes on the heels of the report on sexual misconduct and the way that the university dealt with it. Oh, at the, either the end of the miles tenure slash for the, the entirety of the, of the, of the, of the Ed Orgeron, Orgeron Taylor tenure. Exactly. And so it's not a great look. The reason we got these allegations coming to light was because the USA today sued the university because they would not release the findings of this internal investigation that took place. in I believe 2012 or 2013, I believe one so. of those years, um, as a result, Kansas, where he is employed currently, has placed him on administrative leave as they investigate um, to see just the character of Les Miles, I guess. Um, it's it's very interesting that he was placed on administrative leave at the school where this did not occur, but I'm not saying I disagree with the decision. Um, I, I just don't know what to make it, of it. Uh, and I, we just had this conversation, but probably a couple months ago with, with LSU. Um. But, you know, I, I would have liked to have thought that we would have learned something, but... You would think, right? Yeah, yeah. That was more applicable then because, I mean, this this is all information that from, like, a while ago. However, it's funny because there was a part of... This is the big part to me is that there was a part of this internal investigation that went over text messages with Joe Oliva and I forget who else, or one of the boosters, I believe. The former athletic director for oh, former, Yeah, yeah, former athletic director Joe Oliva. Talking about how... This conduct was uh, a way for them to maybe move on from less miles, which one this was okay. One, this was back in like 2013. Um, miles wasn't fired until I think 2015. Yeah, it was 15. Uh, when Coach o or, or was 16. Named. Yeah, 16. Um, so 
they didn't do that. Two, they clearly know that this means that that's something he should be fired over. And so they knew that that was bad and that they could selfishly even use it to their advantage to move on from less miles, which is disgusting in of itself. But we'll just put that aside for a second. But then they didn't because he won a game against Sex A&M and his players carried him off the field. Does that excuse all that? It... Listen, it's it's very. I I just think it goes towards a large problem, not just at LSU, clearly at LSU, but very, yeah, very clearly at LSU, but 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 across college football as a whole, right? We're gonna, we're in a bit. We're going to talk about your new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, who was not a saint at both his stops at Florida. And Ohio State is not a saint at already at his uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. It's it's been a, like what a couple months, if that, maybe just weeks. Time is a construct anyway, so it's <laughs> time is a flat circle. So it's more it's more a problem of just football culture as a whole, and and it's sad that women can't feel comfortable in their own workplace and have to be relegated to being basically subjective to their physical appearance and that in and in and of itself is disgusting and the fact that we had to open our show with this just shows how much more we as a college football community and the people who have power in these institutions have to go i i saw i read a fantastic column by nicole auerbach in the athletic and she opens it with a quote from i believe 20 from this year, from earlier, like a press release earlier in the month in regards to these allegations and stuff, saying how we have to do better. We have to make sure, you know, very much what you would expect from someone in a position of power to do essentially damage control on this situation. But it was very interesting where he said that we have to create a culture, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, and it was the current LSU athletic director whose name escapes me, but he, it, it does, sorry. I, I, no, it does I, for me too. Like, um. He basically said that we have to create a culture where people are comfortable, people have initiative to speak up, even if it may hurt the institution, in this case, LSU, right? Even if it may hurt the LSU football program in this case, but that you can go to bed saying, I did the right thing today. And the fact that we have to basically teach morality within these institutions is the problem of itself. But the solution is to essentially teach morality. It's it's not it's it's more so while while the fact that these things happen is disgusting of itself and that's a problem. I think the problem that we're having to face with right now is not that they happen, is that what these institutions, the people in power, do when they ha- when it happens. They sweep it under the rug. They don't want to hurt the institution. I mean, they clearly know that it's not good, and they say we don't care. And that I won't say is a bigger issue than the event things happening, but it's the bigger issue right now. Because that should be the thing that we issue. You should be able to control how you respond to a situation. But they they are not. Um, so so we, we, we look forward to seeing what comes of this. We hope positive and good things. And that we are able to put women in a position where we uplift their voices. And we allow for a diversity of not just ethnicities, but, you know, of gender and People learn from hearing people's experiences. And in regards to the LSU allegations that came before this and and in regards to this, the 
student at the time who came forward with this, uh, their bravery needs to be uh, honored and respected. And we hope that we, we as a society and as a football consuming fan base are able to, to learn from this and especially the people in power to be able to make sure that this isn't something that continues to be per- uh, perpetrated throughout college football and the professional football and just the sports world in general. Um, for less miles in the future, I anticipate him eventually. And by eventually, I mean re- relatively soon to be gone out of Kansas. And I think that'll be the last that we hear of less miles simply because it's not like his on-field performances were um, giving him the benefit, quote unquote, now, benefit I mean, of the doubt. It was already college football's passing by. He wasn't doing very good anymore. And then this happened. That's nail in the coffin, buddy. That's nail in the coffin. Um, my Kansas bit ends here. I want to emphasize my Kansas bit ends. Well, here. you know, maybe they'll hire a good new coach and it'll just pick right back up again. You know, I'm not saying I'm not betting on that to happen. I'm just, saying, I wouldn't, you know, I would not like, bet on that either. <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, one guy that's also making his way out, uh, Arik Gilbert is back in the transfer portal for those who follow us on Twitter, you know that Arik Gilbert is the highest rated tight end in 24-7 sports history coming out of the class of 2020. He transferred out of LSU and enroll, or I'm sorry, was on campus at Florida and was a member of the football team. It was a big get for Dan Mullen and the Gators. And then a couple weeks ago, he just kind of up unexplicably said, hey, I'm going back in the transfer portal. You will have more information when I am enrolled at a school. And that was it. Keyword there, enrolled. Exactly. And there was nothing on the Florida side that really said anything about it. It was strictly Arik Gilbert and his Twitter account. Now, the speculation, and I will use the word speculation specifically. Speculation. Is that he would not have been academically eligible to play football at the University of Florida. We have talked about this in the past, Tyler, where recruiting at Florida is a little bit more difficult than your Alabama, than your LSU, than maybe your Georgia, simply because the academic standards at the University of Florida are higher than those institutions. They're not Vanderbilt and Stanford. No, yeah. It, it's slightly more difficult than... It, it's the slight... It, like, it's not It's not a different ballpark, but it is slightly more difficult. Like Exactly, exactly. And so, because of that, um, w- w- speculatively... Oh, Rick Gilbert is not on the team. Now, there's some questions. He has been very homesick. Maybe he goes home to Georgia, um, and I wish him nothing but the best if he does. Uh, he could come back to Florida. If it is an academic issue, he could drop down to JUCO, play a year, get his grades up, and come back to the D1 level. Florida could still be an option at that point. Um, so just to say that the top transfer target in the country was landed by Florida and Dan Mullen's staff and is now back in the portal for what looks like things out of their control. And that's and that's part of the thing. Um, this is all speculative, but it, I mean, you got to think, like, there is no per- more perfect place for Eric Gilbert um, in the country than Florida right now. And Florida absolutely has no reason to not want him. And then the word, and then also just the, the phrasing of, you will know when I am enrolled at a school, like, when I, I'm in there. Makes me think it, it, it makes us speculate that this is something to do with grades, and when it has to do with grades, then that's just something you have to accept. Like, 
I would like to call upon my Bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of Florida and one Dr. Dr. Mikkel Pinckney. Oh, boy. Who taught me one of the most lasting things I learned in undergrad. He would say, Sergio, punctuation is key. And he's right. Your choice of words, the specific... You as a writer, Tyler, know exactly details, what details, we're talking about. Details, details, details. Details. He didn't use the word enroll just because he thought it sounded nice he knew exactly what he was saying in there when he's crafting that message a period in a certain place is important a comma is important ellipses are important he used the word enrolled for a reason and that's part of the reason why we are deducing that it was an academic problem we wish him nothing but the best if it is an academic issue and if it is an academic issue we hope he gets his grades up and he goes wherever he sees fit because at the end of the day it's all about him us as gator fans us as uh, do college football journalist, do, do what's best for you. Uh, we hope that you succeed. Exactly, exactly. And last part of quick hits: there are more schools opting out of the EA college football game. Ellipses for now. For now, I only care about one of these three schools. I got to be honest with you. It, it's the it's it's it's, it's, it's our it's, uh, it's yeah. Our there's three schools. There's Notre Dame is opting out. Northwest is opting out. You know that sucks. Hopefully, we can get them back in when the time comes. Tulane is opting out. What? Why make the game? Why make it? Like if I can't have the best uniforms in college football, why would I buy I don't want a it. football game? I don't want it. I don't. Like okay, okay, hold on. EA, that's a lie. I will take the game without Tulane. I I I it's it's like that line in, in the movie The Lorax where it gives the Lorax a marshmallow and it's just like, now I'm gonna eat this, but I'm highly offended by it. Like, yes, that's exactly like, what it is. I'll take the game, but you know, it could have been better. <laughs> there better be some downloadable Tulane uniforms. That's all I'm saying. Reddit, That's you better be I'm on saying. it, baby. Like, yeah. Um, uh, listen, we talked about this when Notre Dame was the first school to announce it. These are schools that are half PR, half a smart recruiting tool. They're trying to look like the schools that are very player friendly. And the only one that can back it up is Northwestern because their players literally tried to form a union. Yeah. Literally. Literally tried to form a union. Now, that was shut down by the Northwestern administration, but for the sake of this press release, they don't want you to know that. Um, Listen, we're not worried about it. We just thought it would be important that we're all on the same page. These are the schools that have formally announced and have said that they will not be in it unless players can profit from their name, image, and likeness. We will talk about name, image, and likeness later on this summer, sometime in July or June. We are expect. I'm sorry, it's in April. My bad. Uh, oh we're God. expected to get – I know, right? It's coming up. We're expected to get a ruling from the NCAA on name, image, and likeness and potentially the one-time transfer rule. So we will update you more on that when the time comes. And it's important to note just with people about the way video games are made that like this is going to be a little bit of a weird situation because typically video games are already in development and have a team around them and are are you know doing all this stuff before Twitter announces it. Like, you know – like. If if there's just example, I don't know, out of my butt, if they're making a Batman game, by the time that they announce that they put the trailer out or put the promotional images out, they've been working on this thing for months. This is not the case with EA. EA, I'm pretty sure, like, because they said afterwards that, like, we are looking forward to forming a team to make this game. They basically said, like, the moment we get the green light, we're letting people know. So, so there's a lot longer of a process it's going to take for this game than most games that you know about. Like, they said we're ready, 
it's all in you. It, the ball is in your court, NCAA. That's the thing. So, like, I'm not worried about it. There's a long way to go. Yeah, neither am I. Neither am I. All right, Tyler, let's move past quick hits. Let's get into this episode. We will be beginning with the team that has the number one pick. Mm, say it again. Two. That has the number one pick overall in the baby. 2021 NFL Draft. Tyler K. Williams, very own Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval. Anyway. There it is. There's the Duval. All right, Tyler. We're asking each other the same questions that we are asking our friends and guests on the pod. I'll start. Tyler, what did you think of the 2020 Jacksonville Jaguars? You know, they had, us, they had us in the you first can't. half. They had it in the first half, I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> this year this season is the case of three games in particular three games in particular two of which were not even played by the jacksonville jaguars but um okay there is this season was a roller coaster there was the first game of the season where they beat the colts in a game that i did not see coming um come out hot winning record off the gate right at the gate Gardner Minshew saying in the locker room, this, this, do not be satisfied. This is, this is just the beginning. Um, they would go on to lose 15 straight games. I was, I was going to say that's, that's the moment in SpongeBob where you get the four hours later and then it's just a completely different story. They lost every game after that. But, uh, G- good, good, g- by no, the way. Which, this was such a weird season because the entire time the Jags were losing, they were like, they were terrible. And they weren't even in the in the conversation for the first overall pick. And then two games happen. The Jets beat the Rams, and then they followed up the next week and beat the Browns. Two playoff teams. <laughs> like, and suddenly, the Jacksonville Jaguars were in the number one pick, and suddenly all that losing was worth it. All of it was worth it. And I want to clarify that. Picking number two, I think, would have been fine because I would like Justin Fields. You know, like I'm Justin Fields. Apologist. Oh, that's that's so great to say after you know you're going to land was a saying generational that quarterback. I was just like, but but it's not Trevor Lawrence. But it's not Trevor Lawrence. Like, and all of a sudden, the mood around the fan base just changed. The mood around the season just changed. I had been going all season. Like after about you know a couple after we were like we were one and zero and. After we we went through our easiest part of the schedule was the early part, and after we lost every every game after the first one, I was like, "All right, let's tank. Let's just do it. Let's just let's just let me let me let me say this. I was on board with the tank from the beginning. From the day I one. told you, and I and you can go back and listen to the pod episodes, ladies and gentlemen. I wasn't on board initially. You were not on board, but I told you, keep the faith. Tanking works. Trademark pending. Yeah. And eventually, I got on board, and I and I had to convince everyone that I loved that as our Jags fans to get on board. They were not they were not so happy because remember there was a game where the Jets almost won, and then Henry Ruggs and uh, um, Derek Carr well took, no no swept. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Greg Williams Thank said, you very just much. sabotaged <laughs> it, sabotaged the win. And after that, I had a lot of Jags friends be like, "Well, what's the point? I just want to win now because we're not going to get the first pick anyway." And I said, "Keep the faith, keep the faith." Because there were still like six games left. I'm like, they're going to win one. And then they did. They won two, uh, locking it up. And I just, you know, it's been a long, it's been a long fight. <laughs> it's been a long fight. And the Jack, this season was such a roller coaster, such a high from winning the first game. 
such a low point for the next like six games afterwards. Glimpse of hope, back down again because it was taken out from under the rug. And then in a matter of two weeks, you flip it around, you have the number one pick. And we're, that's not even discussing the offseason that we've had, um, which I can discuss now if you want. Or Well, I, so, okay, so let's let's pair up the last offseason and tie it with this one. So since this is about the draft, right, it, amongst the – I don't want to call it a dumpster fire because you've got the number one draft pick, but it, – it, well, you got this specific it was a fire sale. draft pick. It was a fire sale. Among the fire sale – were there any rookies from 2020 that stood out to you? I can think of two. Yeah, I would. I want you to talk about them because they're. Your I mean, boys. the number one. The number one for me is Lavisca Chenault. Oh, that that was my number two. Yeah. Well, to to me, um, what's the word? C.J. Henderson and uh, Caleb on Chase on uh, had good years, okay years. It's it's tough because like I, one thing I always uh, try to evaluate is that like it's so easy for very good players to play terrible on clearly bad teams. Like we see it all the time. Like players just, it's just hard to be good on a team that sucks. Like even if you are a good player, CJ Anderson had a really good start to the year. Then he got injured, battled some injuries. Caleb on chase. I think was playing in a defense that is not perfect for him. I mean, I, I, I completely forgot that James Robinson was a, was a rookie. So that's yeah, why I, I was waiting to see. I'm, I'm not I'm here with idiot. a timer, I'm an idiot, but um, I, I'm like, come on, my guy. I'm, I'm an idiot. I was just, I'm so infatuated by the electricity of LaVisca Chanel that I forgot the consistency. I lived in a world where the consistency of James Robinson, which just didn't exist. James Robinson, who was robbed for rookie of the year, by the way. Um, you don't, you don't have to preach LaVisca Chanel hype to me. I was the one who, call so we facetime on draft night first round we we typically do that so whatever but when you guys picked him up day two i called you i love that I said, did you realize what you just got i loved it but lavisca chanot was great james robinson my bad totally brain fart uh because i don't even really it's hard i don't even like think of him as a rookie like i don't know what it is like he just doesn't feel like a rookie to me it's probably because he's undrafted um and i had no clue who he was going into the season uh but there's a lot. The good. The thing about the Jaguars' season is that they sucked, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are the number one youngest team in the league, and now I feel like that's going to play into our favor. Um, because the worst thing to me you could be is be is suck and be old, because then like there's no potential. You you owe everybody all this money, and right now the Jaguars have the most cap space in the league. And they have the youngest roster, which I think some pieces that are good, like Levis Chanel's really good. I think DJ Chark is really good piece. Um, the offensive line needs some upgrades, but uh, the rookies that sit out. I mean, James Robinson and Levis Chanel are the big ones. Um, Levis Chanel could do so many things. James Robinson's not flashy as running back, but he's so consistent. Is the thing, and I think that's what you needed. It's weird. He reminds me of a young Frank Gore. That is a great. That is a great comparison. Hopefully he can be. Like, right, yeah. Hopefully he plays for 20 years. I would love that. But but it just in terms of workhorse, and like you said, not flashy, but he'll get the job done. Uh, well, what about what about the offseason, right? Uh, let's transition into that since we talk about 2020. You got some pieces last year. Like you said, youngest team in the league. What, what are you looking to approach, or what are you looking for? New coach, right? New, new staff. Yeah, in front it's Urban Meyer, by the way. I know we already talked about this. Ignatium, we've, we've but. mentioned that. I didn't think we had to say it, but um, what's your, what's your ideal draft pick, right? L- away from number one. We know you're taking Trevor. That's a lock. 
we're not we're not we're not uh acknowledging other picks at number one no i the the whole zach wilson thing is is ridiculous to me which by the way if we were gonna pick a quarterback that wasn't trevor lawrence i would want us to pick justin fields (laughs) well that's because you and i tyler watch a lot of college football and like we said we should probably have a lot of NFL teams that hire people like us so we could say, yeah, no, 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 you're not taking him. But we think, no, I don't, no, 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 you're no, taking I'm, this guy. I, I, I had to keep explaining it to everybody who's not a Jags fan or doesn't know me as well as you. There's just like, well, Tyler, because they try to bu- bug me. And it does bug me, but for, not for the reasons that they think. Uh, they're like, well, Tyler, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? What if they don't take Trevor Lawrence? I mean, Justin Fields went to Ohio State. Urban Meyer coached at Ohio State. And I'm like, okay, look, you're just trying to make me upset because you're because you're trying to make me feel like, oh, it's uncertain. No, Trevor Lawrence is getting picked. I'm just getting annoyed at you because you're you're thinking because uh, Justin Fields went to Ohio State, that means that Urban Meyer is going to pick him when he they weren't even at Ohio State at the same time. Wait, wait, Use your brain, say that people. last say that last sentence. They one more weren't time. even at Ohio State at the same time. Like, cool, cool. Just just for clarity, for clarity. No, if Trevor Lawrence is to pick at one, great, awesome. You're gonna love living Ponte Vedra, Trevor Lawrence. Um, no, at at in our twenties pick, in, for the Rams pick, I think there's two ways to go with it. My like my dream draft pick is Christian Barmore, the defensive lineman out of Alabama. Like, I just re- I really want him. That boy can play. Ball. I want a really good defensive line. Like the last time we were good, it was most of the time teams are good at football. It's because of a defensive line. Like football is a trenches sport. Don't let, don't let the flashy spread offenses tell you otherwise you win football in the trenches. And on the, on the flip side of that, I think that uh, if, if they don't pick him or he's not there, I think one, the best offensive lineman available. Cause you're, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of fool's errand to go, try and pick exactly which ones i mean like obviously i'd want penny sewell or rayshon slater but like tevin jenks will, will probably be there alex leatherwood um creed humphrey even maybe like alex leatherwood would be good did you know that he played all five positions in college i did not know that actually but at, at both fsu and at that's alabama he, he played oh then that's my guy <laughs> that is also really i mean i would love him too that's the thing um it's kind of hard for me to see who what offensive line is going to be there in the 20s because they're they more will get picked ahead of them but whatever either is either the best offensive line or christian barmore if he's there because like i want to win in the trenches you have trevor lawrence now you have honestly pretty in my opinion not bad uh skill talent on offense your defense needs a lot of work and that's more of a wholesale thing and we'll get we'll get to that later but you need to either keep your quarterback upright with your improved defensive line, or you need to get the best defensive tackle in the draft, Christian Barmore, uh, and the drop-off is pretty significant after that, in my opinion. So um, that's that's what I think. It does depend on what they do in free agency. That's what I was going to ask you. What do you think? Because you have the most cap room. We're not going to ask all of our interview guests this question, but given that the Jags have the most cap space in the league, what do you think? Because free agency comes first. It's in a little over a week and a half. Um God. I know, right? What do you think is going to happen in free agency, and how is that going to affect what happens in the draft at the end of April? Uh, what I want to happen, I want Allen Robinson to come home. I don't think it's going to happen, but I want him to come home. Um, but I think that what Urban Meyer is probably going to do is it's hard because they have so much cap space, and for the first time in forever, Jacksonville is like kind of a desirable destination to go to. A little bit, maybe, because because. Because of intrigue, it's intriguing, which is not 
we have not been intriguing and i don't know ever um so i'm not really like it's hard for me to guess i think what the strategy is going to be is going to bring in experienced players because myers filled myers filled or myers filled his staff with a bunch of nfl coaches mostly um and charlie strong and charlie strong but <laughs> i'm fine with that um yeah so I think that the, the focus in, in, in free agency will probably be in bringing in guys who are not super expensive maybe, but add some experience, some depth. Um, leadership is a big thing because this, this is a young roster. Like, And I think that can play in Meyer's hand because like I think he the leadership style will be helpful from his college days. But I do think you need some of the experience in the locker room, some, some of that people who've been in NFL playoff games or people who've been around the league for 10-plus years. So I think that's going to be the, the the direction. I think they're going to try to get some offensive linemen, try to get some defensive help. I think they're going to focus very heavily defensively in free agency. I think that's smart. I think it's very smart. I mean, today Carlos Dunlap was uh, released by the Seahawks, so bring him, bring him to Jacksonville. I see that. I see that. I mean, that's like like it's not like high on my list of priorities, but like it'd be cool. Like, so then you said you you want Christian Barmore, right? What do you yeah, think, baby? The, what do you think they're gonna do though, realistically? I think it's tough because I'm not because again, I don't know what Urban Meyer's draft strategy is. <laughs> like, it's he's never had one. <laughs> he's never had one. This is we're new, we're learning a lot of new things. Pick one is taken care of. Like, yeah. I mean, the Jaguars had a photo shoot for Trevor Lawrence's pro day. Anyway, um, did they really? Basically, like they, they, they <laughs> like Urban Meyer was there. They're they're posting pictures of him in the in the background while Trevor Lawrence is in the foreground taking a snap. Like he's doing the Urban Meyer like pose where he's like got his hands down on his knees and he's looking at him, um, all that kind of stuff. Like it's it's happening. Um, anyway, I don't know. I, I feel like they'll go offensive line, but I do feel like defensively. A sleeper pick, I think, would be Trayvon Merrick, the safety out of TCU. I think they may go defensive help because it's just hard for me because, like, offensive line, I think, is the way to go, and I think that's the way that they will go. I want them to go Christian Barmore, but I think they will go offensive line. I would not throw out some some uh, safe, some secondary help. Mm-hmm. If they like J.C. Horn, he could be there. If, if he's there, Trayvon Merrick is a little early for him, but you're not going to get him probably in, in the second round. Um Additionally, I think that, you know, it's always possible if Cal Pitts falls far enough, they'll trade up to get him. I would do it in a heartbeat because we don't have tight end like at all. That would be that would be especially since Tyler Eifert was released. Um, that would be like Trevor Lawrence, every, Cal Pitts in the end zone. Touchdown. That, yeah, that that's like if you could imagine what a college football all star team was like, that would have been the connection. Yeah, that would have been it last yeah. year uh, for I a college football all star team. I want it so bad. Oh, man. I yeah I think they're gonna push wide receiver and running back down because we've got a relatively good core there, um, workable like and you don't have to address the later rounds. I tight ends a gamble because if you can get Kyle Pitts, I say I say throw some picks uh, to another team and do it. I I say I say go for it. You have the capital, do it. Pat Frymuth will be there. I don't think you take him there, but like after that, the tight end depth gets a lot shorter, so you can address that later. So if you can't get Kyle Pitts, I think go for I think they will go for offensive linemen, possibly some secondary help if they like a player well enough. But again, we're shooting in the dark here because like no one knows what Urban Meyer's draft strategy is. Trent Balky's technically the G, the GM. 
technically, but let's be honest here. Like we know who's pulling. We know who's pulling the uh, pulling the strings, making the decisions. All right. I think we got a good idea yeah. of the Jags. It's exciting time to be a Jaguars fan, in my opinion. Like I am so happy. For roller you. coaster of a season that was ultimately a great ride at the end. Like, listen, I I am very happy for you. I really genuinely, as your best friend, I am genuinely happy for you, man. I thank you. Thank I am. You. I am. Uh, we uh, we the people of Duval County needed this. Like you did. You needed this W. <laughs> God, we needed it. Please, God, we you needed need it. this. Um. All right, Tyler, I would I would like to pass the metaphorical microphone over to you. All right. And I got to say, as as your best friend, now I am a little not worried, interested in how you're going to take this. Like there are many avenues that this Miami Dolphins team could go in. And we will get to them in a bit. Before we go ahead, let's let's look back. What do you, Sergio, think of the Miami Dolphins 2020 season? Name me a team that went 10 and 6 in the last decade and didn't make the playoffs. Honest I I don't know. Like one one team. And it's the 2020 Miami Dolphins. Okay. And it's because the AFC was so difficult this year that even with an extra playoff spot cuz there were 7 in each conference oh, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Oh yeah, there's an extra playoff spot. The Dolphins lost a on a tiebreaker. We lost um out on a playoff spot. Now, here we go. This season was a success. I do not want to hear otherwise. There have been Dolphin fans in my life that it's kind of like it's kind of like letting letting it all get to your head. It's like a child star, right? They kind of they kind of like immediately got this rush of energy of like we can make the playoffs, we're this and that, we're whatever, and they kind of fast forwarded to the mentality of a Dolphins fan. That we probably should have in about four years, if according to plan, we it, this works out. Mm-hmm. Where it's like we expect to be in the playoffs and we want to compete every year. But ladies and gentlemen, two years ago, we had a fire sale for this football team. We got rid of everyone. The highlight of two years ago was the Miami Miracle. Like, it was Gronk yeah. breaking his own ankles at Dolphin Stadium, at Hard Rock Stadium. There's been so many names for that stadium. There's been so many. So many names. Um, Then last year, the team was expected to go 0-16. They were expected to be your Jaguars last year in 2019. And what did they do? They got the absolute living bleep beat out of them for the beginning of the year. And then my man, Coach Brian Flores, made lemonade out of the stalest lemons possible. This man won five games with an XFL roster. Not <laughs> even kidding. And we won like five of our last eight games. We we beat the Patriots in Foxborough to knock them down to play the the uh, the Titans, effectively ending the Brady era in New England. That's what happened two years ago. Damn, that's good. Last year. We had our top five draft pick quarterback coming back from a horrendous hip injury, which in hindsight was probably a year and a half to two year injury to come back from. None of our rookies had a rookie camp, mini camp, or training camp. And with a quarterback jumping from college to pro, you need that transition period. 
right? He had the best mentor in Ryan Fitzpatrick we could ask for. Completely understand. And he didn't start till like week seven or eight. This man was learning on the fly. Not to mention Chan Gailey, the former offensive coordinator, because we promoted two guys from within to be co-offensive coordinators now, had a different Clemson playbook. model, baby. Clemson model, baby. Had a different play. Yeah, strong defense. Have a good quarterback and co-offensive coordinators. Look at us. Um, He had a different playbook for Fitzpatrick than when Tua was in, which I understand now looking back in hindsight because he didn't. maybe the injury wasn't – he wasn't ready. He couldn't move the same that he did that junior year at Alabama before he got hurt. Like there are a lot of things with Tua that he didn't look like the Tua that we saw at Bama because of those reasons. And we still won 10 games. Like I, I don't get it. We were hands down the second best team. team. This was a good team. And we ran up against a, I don't want to call it generational because I think that discredits them for the next couple of years. And I don't think that's the case. But the best Bills team in years, clearly, oh, yeah, made the AFC sure. title game. They lost like four games. So I think it was a success. I don't think the sky is falling. The question here is where do we go from here, right? Where do we go from here? So overall for 2020, I think it was success. Success. I think we still need to give Tua some time. And I think next year with a full training camp, with healthy hip, and with some upgrades that we're going to get to in a bit, I think this team is poised for, at the very least, I think realist. I, I don't think it's unrealistic to expect the Dolphins to be in the divisional round next year. I don't. I, I think it's realistic to make the playoffs and win a playoff game. I with, think it's very possible. With, with as good as I think this team can be. That's my realism for next year. Real quick sidebar, because we have to talk about it just for briefly. Yeah. I, I think we're going to be doing the rest of these questions with the assumption that Deshaun Watson will not be coming to Miami, correct? So I was going to give a caveat, because I, I basically have two draft plans. Because if you don't win the Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson in this team, I'm I mean, going to just throw the franchise away. Honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to it. <laughs> I might I might drive up 95 and park my ass in Duval. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, listen, I'm going to operate under two different draft scenarios. Okay. The first scenario is Tua stays, we don't trade for Deshaun, and we build around him, which I'm perfectly fine with, and I am on board 100%. The second scenario is you give up and you get Deshaun Watson which I would also 100% be on board with because it's not that I don't like Tua. It's not that I don't believe in him. It's that I'm getting Deshaun Watson. In it's return. Deshaun Watson. Like, it's just not the same. Like It's not. Tua can have a completely successful career even when, like, maybe Super Bowl. I just He will not be Deshaun Watson to me. Correct. Like, Correct. Deshaun Watson led the league last year on a 4-12 and Texans team that was literally trying to sabotage him. Yeah. And he led the league in passing. Take that as you will. Yeah. Um, which So, yeah. Yeah, we'll try, we're trying to transition over there. Uh, mm-hmm. Were there any rookies from the 2020 class that stood out to you during, on this team that was very good? Like It was. I think the 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 bigger like rookies that kind of stood out to me, they weren't the high-level rookies that we thought, right? Because yeah. we had three first-round picks last year. Tua, obviously, at pick five. Austin Jackson at pick 18, the tackle out of USC. And Noah Igbahagany, cornerback out of Auburn. Um, neither of those three, I think, were our best rookie. Tua, we've already mentioned about what I think about Tua in the situation. Austin Jackson, oh boy. 
that did not go well this year. Now it takes a lot of time for offensive gotta linemen give him some to time. Gotta give him some time. Gotta give him some time. But like Solomon Kid uh Kidley out of Georgia, he was a fourth round pick. He did some some he was a guard. He did some well stuff. Robert Hunt. That, uh, that boy was balling. Robert Hunt had a good season. Second second uh round pick. When that when that pick happened, I I texted you and I said, This is a this is my guy. Like I I was so happy that we ended up with Robert Hunt. It was a great pick in my opinion. Um, Raekwon Davis was a second rounder. He played pretty decently. Um, but I think the big one, the pick that I really had a lot of hope for, but it just didn't work out, unfortunately, was Curtis Weaver, the linebacker out of Boise. Um, we traded up to the six to get him. It's not saying much. You could probably hit a seven round pick, whatever. Um, but I really thought he was going to make the team and he was going to make an impact and he didn't even make the team coming out of training camp. So that was a bit of a disappointment. But then I think just because of the lack of weapons that this team had last year, Malcolm Perry was our seventh round pick, former Navy quarterback, the man that broke FBS records with rushing yards at a court as quarterback, ran that triple option at Navy like no one's business. He converted to wide receiver and he played pretty decently in the slot. Like he, he was serviceable. I don't think he's a number one option um, in the slot. I don't think it's his third option either. I find it, it is indicative of, I think, some of the uh, things that I, some of the things I throw out when people criticize Tua's season. When I was just like, one of his starting receivers was a rookie, converted, former Navy quarterback. Like, yeah, and a good one, like a great athlete, great player, but like, um, not the same as like an actual wide receiver. You know who, you know who the other starting wide receiver was at one point? University of Florida's very own. Antonio Callaway. Antonio drops Callaway? Antonio drops Callaway, who, as we know, had his moments at UF and, listen, talented, but the man can't stay on the football field for one reason or another. And like you joked, he drops a lot of footballs. He does. He does. Um, So I I would give, looking back on this draft class, uh, I'd probably give it like a B minus, C plus, because Igbahabini... Not that he's bad, but he just definitely didn't fit. He he didn't a hundred percent adjust to what um, Flores wanted, and I'd give him another year to see what happens. Austin Jackson, if that man doesn't improve a bit, man, that was a whiff. Um, and then Tua, like I said, I think I got hope for him and all of that. So you know, a lot of picks. Not all of them made the roster as expected. Brandon Jones had a decent year as well. Safety out of Texas, a really smart IQ guy. He moves around a lot. He's he was a safety at Texas. He uh, Flo likes to play him in the nickel and move him around a bit. Um, and it, it worked out. Listen, uh, a flow defense I'm always going to trust regardless of who out, who's out there. I love Brian Flores' defenses. Yeah, me too. And, and, to and, I, and I think he, the draft class as a whole made an impact. But again, young guys, it's going to take to but develop. But not a flashy you know, impact. Not a flashy impact. You know who was the youngest team in the league before the Jags this year? The Dolphins. So... Oh. Oh, that makes me feel better. That makes me feel it does. a lot better. A lot of hope, things to happen, and we got some picks this year, and we have a decent chunk of free agency space. So that's what I thought about the 2020 class. In that case, uh, moving on towards 2021, uh-huh. what is your ideal draft pick for – now, keep in mind, you have two uh, first-round draft picks. Like, yes. For three and 18. What are your What are your two ideal dra- draft picks or or draft decisions you make with those picks? So first and foremost, um, 
I I will be sending Bill O'Brien an edible arrangement. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And again, this is where two schools of thought come in. We could still trade for Deshaun. If we trade for Deshaun, I would not be opposing giving up the three pick. I would prefer to give up other picks, like 18, maybe their second. I'm becoming less and less convinced that you're going to get it without giving up the third pick. Me too. So we're going to operate under that ideal, right? If we get up the third overall pick for Deshaun Watson, yeah, it's a win. We literally just finessed the Texans. I would... Honest to God, I, I this might be a hot take. I would give up the first overall pick even this year for Deshaun Watson. Again, this this plays on the this plays on the idea that like I know Deshaun Watson is a good NFL quarterback. That's true. And there's That's still true. an element of failure in any draft pick you take. Yeah. Whereas I'm like Deshaun Watson's a sure thing. That being said, that's just a good I mean, that would never happen. Like, so so parentheses on that before we go back to the Dolphins. I wouldn't do it simply because you're not only even if it's Deshaun for the number one overall pick straight up. You are giving the Texans the Trevor Lawrence. Not only that, not only that, you are giving the Texans Trevor Lawrence, but you're also effectively giving up a large chunk of your cap because you have to remember how big of a contract Deshaun has, and I think the way that you're going to construct the team in free agency is contingent on having a rookie quarterback playing, yeah, like an All Pro, which I point. believe. Lawrence can become as has been stated multiple times on podcast yeah so th- that's why I wouldn't do it for that situation. it's funny to talk about these things because once again um they're not gonna happen so <laughs> exactly exactly so back to the Dolphins in the three overall pick if we trade for Deshaun great it works out if we don't trade for Deshaun um I am pro trade I would I would like to trade back I think the most realistic spot would be eight with Carolina I think Carolina has expressed very, they're very hungry that they want to get a quarterback and make a move. I would not be opposed in doing a trade that is pick eight, another first rounder and two seconds. I think we can get two first rounders in a second. Like, so three first rounders, right? Swap picks, two more first and a second. I think that's, that'd be great. And at that point, you take your pick between we need weapons, right? Get two of some weapons. I think we get take our pick between Chase, Smith, Waddle, or Pitts. Those are the guys that I think it's between at that point. And it's literally let the draft come to you. We'll assess at that point. If we have to pick someone at pick three, I believe that the Jets are gonna be dumb and they're gonna give Sam Darnold another run, which means they're gonna actually sure? be I do, and I and I think that they're going to be smart. By making a dumb decision in giving Darnold another year, they're going to accidentally make a smart decision and draft Penny Sewell. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like, long-term, like, Darnold's not the answer, but you get a really good player out of it, so, like, next year you're going to have to draft a quarterback anyway, so. Exactly. They, they make the right pick for the wrong reasons. So, yeah. if that's the case... I am pro Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in this draft. I don't think it's a competition. I love what Devontae Smith did. I love the potential, not the potential. I love what Jalen Waddle showed that he could do and fully healthy, I think, can do again. And of course, we, we don't need to talk about Kyle Pitts anymore. The man is a weapon. He's not a tight end. He's not a receiver. He's a weapon. So, but I think I I think Jamar Chase getting to a, a wide receiver that can go up and get it is very important, and I would be pro Jamar Chase. If we fall at eight, 
you take those four receive those four weapons take your pick your poison yeah because um, you need weapons we do need weapons and 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 i would be opposed to that now there's also a school of thought where at eight we could take a lineman and get a good lineman get someone like uh what's the man's name out of northwestern whose name is rayshawn slater rayshawn slater i think rayshawn slater could be there um unless the jets take penny soul in that sense because then um then the Bengals would take him because probably. the Bengals probably, but you know, still, but it, if let the Bengals take anyone that's not an offensive lineman, I'm going to have physical problems with them. Exactly. Like, yeah, for real. I might drive to Cincy and fight them by myself. Um, but that's my ish. That's my thing with pick three, right? Let's go to pick 18. Yeah. Pick 18 is a bit more interesting, right? Because you look at our needs, uh, wide weapons, obviously wide receiver, more linemen is never a bad thing with this team. Um, Linebacker would be nice. Running backs would be nice. Edge rushers would be nice. Um, I have a bit more faith in flow to be able to identify defensive talent and being able to essentially spend a higher draft pick. on. It's the philosophy we always talk about, right? Coaches like to spend the higher draft picks on the side of the ball that they're not coaching. So, you know, to get the better players because they believe whether it's the right decision or not. They can make the players on their side of the ball better. Exactly. They believe that. And so I think, see, I don't want to do it because I don't want a running back in the first round. I wouldn't be opposed to Najee Harris. But my thing is that I I love the two guys out of North Carolina in the second round because we we also have a high second round draft pick. Um, I like um collins out of tulsa i Jamie really collins? i really like him yeah that'd be good I, that'd be I a think good he'd player be a good fit um another lineman wouldn't be bad i would take leatherwood people would say it's a stretch but i would take leatherwood at that spot um i i also i know we don't need another cornerback <laughs> but man would it be fun to see jc horn in this defense it would it's the perfect man, defense for him like, right such it's, a press man heavy defense. Oh like. yeah, put put two guys on the island. Maybe that's the move, right? Maybe they let Xavier Howard go because he's in a contract situation. I know you're you're getting rid of one of the top cornerbacks in the league, but you got uh Bobby McCain who you just signed to a massive deal. Um, you bring in J.C. Horn, boom, you got your two lockdown corners. Maybe you trade Xavier Howard. Or maybe you franchise him and then trade him. Um, but that would have to happen tomorrow because <laughs> the uh the or today when you're listening to this. Um, you know what I mean? So it's. It's interesting. It's weird. Um, those are my what I'm floating out. There's so many directions this team could go in. Just get the talent, and I have faith in flow. Right. I think the primary issue though is weapons. Get my guy to with some weapons, and we're we're of like the opposite. We're of like the opposite. Our teams are of the opposite problem because like my team weapons would be nice. Don't get me wrong. Like I this team Jaguars need a lot of things, but they're gonna get a quarterback. I think they need to they need to address the trenches. Like, they need to address the trenches. Whereas, like, the Dolphins have pretty good trenches relatively. Like, I wouldn't say no to – like, they could get better. But, like, they their need is specifically in the weapons degree. And Jacksonville actually doesn't have that – they have some weapons. Like Yeah, and, and it's more offensive because you look at guys like Christian Wilkinson. We talked about Rayshon Slater. Like, we got guys on the defensive side of the ball that can ball. You yeah. know what I mean? Good, we got good picks. So – yeah, or good guys. We'll see what happens there. It's like I'm, I'm pretty sure if Brian Flores could, he would have swapped. Even though the Jaguars' receiving core is not that great, Brian Flores would have swapped the Dolphins' receiving core for the Jaguars' receiving core last year. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. Oh my. So gosh. that's indicative of like where the team needs are. Exactly. Exactly. So 
That's what I would. That's what I'm thinking would happen. So. Yeah. Uh, well, in that case, what now that you said what you think you want to happen, what do you think will happen? Like. This this is the tough one because like you you because I was just having this question. I was just like I kind of explained what I think will happen, but then I have to step outside of my mind and be like, well, would they actually do that, or is this just Tyler being like, oh, I want this to happen? So putting myself in Chris Greer and Brian Flores' shoes, I think they're going to take Devontae Smith pick three. Really? I do. I think they're going to, yeah. It's going to take me, I don't think it's, it's going to, it's a bad pick. Like, it's going to take me 20 minutes to talk myself into it, but uh, it's not a, like, a, like we said, not a bad pick, not a bad pick. Um, Just maybe not the one I would have gone with. I, I would, I would trade down for the record. I am, I am a hundred percent. I am all pro in. trade down in this situation because trade you, down. you have there's so many teams below you that want that number three spot. Yes, and we ha- we are at a point where, regardless of who falls to whatever pick, and for some reason I have pick eight engraved in my mind with the Panthers. So for the sake of this argument, let's just say it's pick eight. Someone drops down to the back half of the top ten. I'm fine with going with whoever falls to you at that point. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what's the big boy from Auburn who the Panthers draft last year or drafted last year? Who you wanted? Uh, Derek Brown. Derek Brown. Derek Brown fell to the Panthers. You know, so who knows who could fall in the back? There's always someone that falls in the top ten. So that's that's what I think will happen. And I also think they're gonna address some of the weapons need in free agency. Right? We don't have as much free agency or cap space as you guys do, but. There's rumors that we're going after Aaron Jones. I wouldn't pay him the 15 million he's asking for, but I wouldn't mind giving him a contract and having him come in. Um, I wouldn't mind going after uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, obviously, a Chris Godwin, but I, we we think I feel he's like Allen Robinson is more likely to go to Miami than he is back to Jacksonville. Like I really want him to go back to Jacksonville, personally, but I think he's much more likely to go to Miami. Right. So, you know, maybe you, you draft, let's say we go with what I think they'll do. They draft Smith, they sign Robinson, and they sign Aaron Jones. All right, you got Miles Gaskin, Aaron Jones in the backfield. You got Allen Robinson, Devontae Parker, and Devontae Smith in uh as the wide receiver core. That's not a that's that that's a significant upgrade for Tua from Malcolm Perry, a converted wide receiver, a converted yeah. quarterback, and Mike Gasecki, who I still like and I think is gonna be is a great tight end. But he couldn't. He was hurt last year. Sometime, you know what I mean. So, get him on the field. You know. So that's that's where I think what they'll do. Um, but again, it's interesting. And also with them, you never know. And it's and the the gray cloud hanging over all of us, Tyler, is Deshaun Watson. Is Deshaun Watson because that changes everything that we just talked about. That changes the complexity of everything because we could give up half of our draft capital for that, and it would still be a good move. Yeah. Because he's Deshaun Watson, it would eat a chunk into our cap space. And it would still be a good move because he's Deshaun Watson. Immediately to me, in my opinion, Bills fans, you can get mad at me. I think that Miami is the team to beat in the uh, AFC East. That then. Listen, J- Josh Allen had a career year. And hopefully for the sake of NFL, right? For the sake of football, right? Take away my Dolphins fandom. I just like football. I want him to continue on that path. That would be great for football. Yeah. But you know who I would take over him in a heartbeat? Deshaun Watson, Watson. (laughs) you know? Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that like uh, Josh Allen had just had a like career year. Yeah. I am expecting a little bit of regression. I think I still think he's going to be good, but it's a matter of Mm -hmm. like bills are very good this year because Josh Allen was spectacular. 
they'll probably just be okay next year. You're right. Did their offensive coordinator stay? Yes, he did. Okay, so then yeah, okay, I, so I would maybe expect... I, I take that back. I, I I guess I forgot that I just kept assuming that he was going to leave because he was very good. Well, as we've as we have come to realize, Tyler, NFL teams don't always make the right coaching decisions. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The uh, the coordinators, the offensive coordinators for the Bucks, the Chiefs, and the Bills all stayed at their teams. <laughs> The one thing that you could always that you could always wish for with the NFL to help with turnovers is that coaches of good teams leave them. Right. And that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> so who knows what happens there. Um all right. I think uh I, I think we got some Jags and Dolphins content. We did it. We yeah. did it, Tyler. We uh, did it. We, I mean the, we I don't think we got too high and I don't think we got too low. It's it's just all the way up from here for me. Like, I mean, the, the, there is almost no way it could be worse. Like than what last season was. In the words of the great Michael Jordan, ceiling is the roof, Tyler. Yes, the ceiling is the roof. I mean, I, I need to reiterate that the Jacksonville Jaguars will have Trevor Lawrence um in but a few weeks' time. And and we will we will be back next week with our mock draft 2.0. And I want to say this from the beginning, right? I'm gonna do some weird things in that mock draft. It's gonna be fun. The one thing that will not change. In every mock, we, not even our mock drafts, it. our mock drafts start at pick two. Let's just go for absolutely. Let, let's absolutely. just let everyone know now. This is like the Joe. This is like last year with Joe Burrow. Like, no, it's not. No one else. The Bengals aren't taking anyone else, and uh, the Jaguars are not taking anyone else. Facts. Like, there we go. Stay mad, NFL media. That Jacksonville's getting a generational quarterback. Stay mad. <laughs> we love to see it. Um, hey Tyler, before we head out, let's uh, let's finish with tweets we've shared. Yeah. Uh, in in honor in the light of this NFL draft talk, my tweet you, that you've shared with me is uh, from Kyle Krabs. It is re- in response to a tweet by Andrew Siciliano, where Andrew Siciliano is interviewing Jalen Waddle. Now, backstory to this: um, at the Senior Bowl, apparently Devontae Smith was asked by a scout, "Tua Tagovailoa or Mac Jones?" and Devontae Smith answered emphatically, "Mac Jones," according to what was said. In this interview, Andrew Siciliano asked Jalen Waddle the same thing, and he Jalen Waddle says, "I'd go with Mac Jones." Clarification: He said it in regards to, um, we came in together. That's the guy I've spent most of my playing time with. Yada yada yada. Um, and then the image you you sent was of uh, as a meme of uh, <laughs> Semi, like. And it's up against the list that says people to draft. Devontae, line through it. Jalen, line through it. And the only one left is Jamar Chase. <laughs> which time is Dolphins a flat fans circle. Be like this. Which time is a flat circle because that's probably who we should draft in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm here for it. Like, I am also here for it. It was not surprising to me that the wide receiver who won the Heisman picked the quarterback who won him the Heisman. Like, It's not surprising to me that the wide receiver – that was the number one option on the team, picked the quarterback that was his quarterback when he was the number one option on the team and not the fourth member of the depth chart when he had Jerry Judy, who we all talked about as being a generational talent, Henry Ruggs, who we all knew was faster than David. That's the question. I want to know what Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs think. And Jalen Waddle was above him on the depth chart before he hurt himself this year. Yeah. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to take this. This is not to take away from these players. It's more of like, this is how, this is how the dolphins should be making their process is just like, which actually that's my thing that I was gonna say about Jamar Chase earlier that I saved for this moment. Cause I had this 
is that like I like all three of these players. I think Jamar Chase is the most balanced because everything Devontae Smith is all about balance at the college level, but there is the element of his size and frame is an outlier at the NFL level. It could work. It's worked at college. It's an outlier in college. It could work in the NFL level. Jalen Waddle is a speedster, and speedsters are kind of hit or miss because his his number one trait is speed. And like, if you can stay healthy and that can be an, a part of it, awesome. But if you take any John Ross had this whole thing. His his he, the way John Ross won in college was speed. Didn't translate to the NFL if because he got hurt. Um, Jamar Chase I think is the most has all of the route running and down to down consistency and just get me a first down that Devontae Smith has, but I think has a little bit more deep speed. It's just more balanced, man. Like Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase last year was what Devontae Smith was this past this past year. Like I mean. People forget about Jamar, Jamar Smith because he didn't, Jamar Chase because he didn't play. I think right. Jamar Chase is would be a, the right pick. Like I, I agree. And before I move on to my tweet, this might be a take, but I'm gonna go. I'm just from the top rope. I'm gonna jump off. Um, if Randy Moss never existed, right? If we never got Randy Moss in the late '90s and 2000s, people wouldn't be saying you got mossed. In three or four years' times, people would be saying you got chased. Okay, that is a bit of a hot take. It is, but no, no, no. But this is, like, but this is, this is if Randy Moss didn't exist. Okay, like I'm saying, I see that type of player in Jamar Chase in terms why of the size and that, able to get up. Why do you think that the uh, that the phrase would be you got pitched? But <laughs> well, you get you got pitched just. That's going to happen anyway. Like, Oh, oh yeah. Well, because you're going to be a linebacker matched up to him or a defensive back, and it's not going to matter because if you're a linebacker, he's going to blow by you. If you're a defensive back, he's going to bully you, as we saw throughout everything. Um, all right, my tweet. I'm going to try to say this without getting angry. It's from Chris Sims, and it's from last Wednesday. And Chris Sims releases. He's an NFL guy. Like he does not. He oh this. Oh, I I remember what you're what you're talking about. He's an NFL guy. You poor poor soul. Um, he releases his draft ranking, quarterback draft rankings every year. Former quarterback and respected quarterback in the NFL, all that stuff. And I'm not gonna lie. For the past few years, he's been pretty spot on. He was hands down sure that Lamar Jackson was the best in that class. He was sure that Justin Herbert was in last year's class, which, by the way, I I blame Mario. We were Pico so on. wrong about. <laughs> but but uh, not our fault. Definitely not, not our, our fault. Not our fault, but we were so wrong. Everyone that he, I know He has been great like, for all the reasons that, like, no one could have seen coming. Like, it's, because, it's because Mario Cristobal took him and said, what do you do good? We are going to do the opposite of that. <laughs> That's why. Continuing forward. This is his, he says, he tweets on March 3rd, last Wednesday, my 2021 draft quarterback rankings, taping the podcast soon with full breakdown slash explanation. Now, one would assume that because I'm flaming him on our podcast, uh, I would have gone back and listened to the podcast and listened to his explanation. No, you don't earn that right when you put out this travesty of a list. Let's start off with number one. N- number one, Zach Wilson. Already Throw gone. it away. Throw Already it away. Gone. <laughs> Trash. All- what? Who? Hoops? A Mormon? A white man? No! <laughs> that, for the record, ladies and gentlemen, that is a new girl reference. I don't want to get thrown around. That is a new girl reference, all right? And what do they do about it? Nothing. Nothing! Nothing. Of course! <laughs> so Zach Wilson's one. That's a problem. 
Trevor Lawrence is two. I mean, I guess if you're going to put someone else one, Trevor Lawrence has to be two. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like, Number three, Mac Jones. All right. Number four is Kellen Mond. I'm about to throw something so freaking hard. Kellen Mond is the college equivalent of Michael Thomas. <laughs> Only <laughs> slants. Only slants. <laughs> Okay, you know what? Okay, I'm going to say the same freaking thing I've been saying for years. The whole Kellen Mon hype is built off of one game in his first year, sorry, his second year starting under Jimbo against the number one team in the country at home, a game in which he lost. <laughs> you know who, who beat him that game? One, partly Trevor Lawrence. Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant led the game-winning drive on that game. Man's lost Kelly Bryant at home. And I know Florida. he beat Florida twice because we didn't want to see him as a freshman. He beat his last year when he was a senior, whatever. I don't care. Um, it doesn't change wait, the wait, fact wait, wait, that. Wait, 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 wait. So you mean to tell me that we're going to give credit to Kellen Mond for beating Florida his, the first time under the Jim McElwain regime? Wearing those swamp uniforms? It, where, which I was at that game, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and, and then we're going to give him credit because just – Todd Grantham decided to not show up in College Station that weekend. Is that is that yeah, what we're gonna do? Yeah. That's what we're gonna do now. That was his best game that he's that he's ever had statistically. I don't understand this Kellen Mond. I, I just type. Kellen Mond. Listen, like we, we were we were agitated because Trevor Lawrence wasn't one. This is a whole new level. No, this of, is the most egregious thing to me because I can. This even is the most, yes. look, look. Here's the thing. He put Zach Wilson one because he wants to be different. Somebody's got to be over Trevor Lawrence. Okay, whatever. whatever. Stupid, but whatever. Wrong, um, but whatever. Mac, I can I can listen to an argument from Mac Jones at three simply because Mac Jones had one of the most statistically great years we've ever seen. I think that there's a lot of context you need for that to contest, to understand why that happened and why that doesn't make him a better prospect than a lot of the other quarterbacks. But I could get it, you know? I could be like, okay, he did it. He produced at that level. Let's see if he can do it again. Kellen Mond, you're going to tell me that Kellen Mond is the fourth best quarterback in this class? No, I'm I'm not going to tell you that because I watch college football since 2014 religiously. I know exactly who Kellen Mond is. I'm mad now. I'm like mad. I'm not mad with the team drafting Kellen Mond and trying to develop him, taking him in the third or fourth round. I'm not mad about that. That's where he should go. No, yeah, I, I hope the young man succeeds. Right, and he's talented enough for someone to go in and try to, you know, develop him into more than just a slant passer. I'm not entertaining the fourth quarterback off the board. I'm not. I'm simply not entertaining. This is a this is this is the Bucks drafting a kicker in the second round level of egregious. I'm not holding back. Great. Like this is this is no no this is the well no what makes me upset is that like there are going to be people out there that think this is gospel. There's going to be NFL people. Who respect Chris Sims for his NFL takes, which, by the way, are fantastic, and he is a really good NFL uh, analyst. But there are people that have not seen Kellen Mond play a snap of football in their lives and are going to say, oh, well, yeah, I guess it makes sense. That's a problem. That is a problem. Who Who's the number five quarterback on this list? Thank God. I It has taken too long for me to get to this man, but it's Justin Fields egregious that he's number five egregious Justin, in our opinion 
we are clear Trevor Justin Fields one two. Yeah, we can entertain debates about the. I'll rest entertain of them. Zach Wilson at, at two. Like it's a matter of preference. Like it is a matter of preference. I'm like, not day day. I will entertain Zach Wilson at pick two. Yeah. I will not entertain Kellen Mond in your top five. No, and I and I will not entertain Kellen Mond above Justin Fields, regardless where on the list you put them. No, I agree. It's not happening. Kellen, did, what happened after the semifinal game when Justin Fields put on a clinic and everyone in the universe said, oh yeah, that's clear number two. What happened since then? Because none of these players, with the exception of Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, and that, uh, none of these players except for Mac Jones in the championship game, played another game after that. None of them. Nothing has happened. What happened in that since that game? I'm genuinely mad. I'm like, I don't I'm, know. I guess I'm a couple actually... pictures of, uh, I, I guess a couple pictures of uh, Zach Wilson's Mormon face with his little bandana starts. No, listen, but, but that's the thing. I'm, I'm not, di- I'm not discrediting people who put Zach Wilson over Justin Fields because while I don't agree with that sentiment, yeah, that's a good I point. can see the point. I, I can, can understand see it. it. I can see what you mean by it. Like, I can see where people are getting with that. I can, like I said, I can even entertain all these talks of Mac Jones for getting higher than he should be because of what he did. I just don't understand the thing with Kellen Mond. Like, I just don't get it. It's just tools. But he had Jimbo Fisher, a quarterback, sorry, a coach who has made quarterbacks play better than they are. And he didn't play that good. So what what should that tell you? It should tell you a lot. This man made DeAndre Francois like a legitimately good college quarterback for like a season. Like, <laughs> like a legitimately good college quarterback. Like, and then look at what everything that happened after that. Like, listen, this man took the scraps and remains of James Blackman and turned it into a bowl. He went to a bowl with James Blackman. He went to a bowl with James Blackman as a freshman. Yeah, yeah, weighing weighing a weighing one hundred and thirty seven pounds, dripping wet. And and, and Kellen Mond never played better than the way he, the way he played. So I, I I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Anyway, rounding out the list is Trey Lance, which. I get, and I would honestly put him higher because I watched him in 2019, and that was one of the most accurate quarterbacks I've seen in a long time. Yeah, small sample size, in my opinion. Small sample size, I agree. But I mean, it, he's got everything you'd want for a team. To that's the thing with Kellen Mond; he's toolsy, but he has a very large sample size. I know exactly what kind of quarterback he is. <laughs> like, I can't even lie about. Stay with Trey Lance. Trey Lance is also very toolsy, and like he's a very small sample size that's very good. But you can lie and tell yourself that's indicative because, like, it's small. You just don't know because it's not big enough. I, Kellen Mond started for, like, three, four years. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's 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 lower our, bread, our blood pressure, just, Tyler. Um, okay. And let's talk about how next week we will be back. We will be releasing our mock draft 2.0. Um, and we yeah, will buddy. also be continuing with our NFL draft interview series. This coming week, you will be getting an episode where Tyler interviewed his friend. Uh, she is a Green Bay Packers fan, and I apologize, but her name is escaping me. And her name is? Mackenzie McClintock. Mackenzie. Mackenzie will be coming on the pod. Tyler has interviewed her. Uh, that will be released later this week. Along with my friend Lucas, who is a Baltimore Ravens fan. We will be talking about the Broward County Ravens. Sorry, the Baltimore Ravens, and um, <laughs> and about what these uh, what Harbaugh needs to do to maximize Lamar Jackson um, before he has to sign his extension. Um, that's it, Tyler. That's the episode. 
We we talked the Jags. We talked the Dolphins. We're going to do some mock drafts next week. Our friends are coming on. They're going to talk about their teams. It's going to be a good time. The, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have opened up the floodgates for Florida teams it being good in the NFL again. So uh, if – if I had to suffer, we shall through, run where they walked. If I had to suffer, listen. If if I end up with a Super Bowl victory, um, then suffering through yet another Tom Brady Super Bowl victory will have been worth it. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's where I'm going with that. Okay. All right. All right. Awesome. I think that's a great. I don't. Note. Have, I don't have nearly the hangups that you do. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's that's where we're going to end the podcast, Tyler. Um, this <laughs> this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And this episode, Tyler, go Dolphins. Go Jags.